Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and success doc Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Thanks for joining us on the Power Your Life show, and I'm Joanne White, and it's always a pleasure to be here and have some wonderful guests that that are here to give you information and insight, and sometimes we need that because we don't all have the answers. Probably we do, but we don't know how to access them. Speaking of how to access them, oftentimes we get stuck in many different places except the present. And we have a very special guest today, Kevin Murphy, who's going to talk about how you can really shift that by taking a look at what's going on inside your mind and the way Kevin describes it is inside the rooms. So Kevin Murphy is a former Wall Street managing director, a high school and collegiate wrestling champion, community activist, a speaker, a coach, and he's also the author of the book, the Three Rooms. After 33 years at Citigroup in the field of sales, marketing, and option trading and becoming an industry luminary in the options field, Kevin felt called to step away from the corporate world to bring forth a book that would draw attention to a concept that became very clear to him during quiet periods of reflection and meditation. He started to apply these concepts while working with people in business, the youngsters in coaching with wrestling, and in his own personal life and experience. The premise behind this book, well, we're going to let Kevin tell you the premise behind the book. I have this book, and it's very wonderful, and it can help you change your life. Welcome, Kevin. How are you? Very good. Thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure. So, you know, it's a fascinating idea about having the rooms. How did you come up with the idea, and why rooms in terms of of where our thoughts are? Tell us a little bit about that, Kevin. Well, you know, I never, you know, consciously thought about writing a book, um, but um, I did, you know, start to get this image of three doors that were um, kind of came up, and, and one was clearly labeled the present, and one was labeled the past, and one was labeled the future. And I kept thinking that, you know, maybe there, there's something about these. And I started to write down thoughts um, about each, you know, each of the doors and really what was behind each of the doors. And so eventually, you know, the three doors, you know, became the three rooms. And it was all about describing what was behind there and, and just, you know, that concept of, you know, of, of where your thoughts go. So how do we get stuck in in different rooms or or decide to be maybe it's not even conscious you'll help us with that to be in one room versus another what happens Well I think it's you know it starts with you know being aware of 
of what happens and where your thoughts go. And I think that gets back to the you know the premise of the book. And 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 the premise of the book is that our experience of life is not based on on what we do for a living or or what we have or possessions. It's based on what we think. And our thoughts can only be, you know, in one of three places. They can be in the past or the metaphor of the past room. They can be in the future or the future room. Or they can be in the present or the present room. And whichever room your thoughts are in determines your experience of life in that moment. Because, of course, our thoughts can go back and forth from the past into the, into the future. And so the key is to know where your thoughts are. And in order to know which room your thoughts are in or where they are, you need to observe your thoughts. And then it is that act of observation that separates our awareness from our thoughts so we're no longer at the effect of our thoughts. And so simply by asking, you know, okay, which room are my thoughts are in, you're really just saying, you know, so what am I thinking? And, you know, you think a lot about the, you know, the metacognition and everything, being, you know, aware of your thoughts, you know, is so important, and people, you know, realize that. And the metaphor of the three rooms just kind of makes it simple to say, okay, here, I can either just put it in the past or the present or the future, and the concept that's just, you know, putting it in that room. But it's really not so much the room as being, aware of where they are and so aware of which room they are am i looking in the past am i looking in the future or am i looking at the present you know you you said a lot of things that are important but something that's very important that people find it very hard to do and that is to pay attention to their thoughts to what they're thinking about because our experience is often that the thoughts go by so quickly so unconsciously unless we make a conscious effort of looking at them, observing them, as you say, and really discerning what's going on with them. Why is it that most people don't know how to do that or don't choose to do that, Kevin? Well, I think, you know, you make a really good point that it's it's so hard because, you know, they say we have something like, you know, 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day, and trying to monitor all of them, you know, is, is makes it so challenging. You know, and the concept of the three rooms is to really make it simple. That, you know, even a child and, and my daughter's in middle school and she can you know, she can not only, you know, know where her own thoughts are, but she can point out other people, like, Oh, look at that person. Always so angry, he's always in the past room. Or look at her, she's always, you know, worrying about things, she's always in the future room. And so the better we get at teaching, especially teaching the younger children as far as um which room other people are in then the easier it is to recognize which room you are in. And so even even today more and more people are are you know reading up you know about you know mindfulness and and being in the present and living in the now and everybody understands it's it's so important and we really just don't do a very good job. And so it's to make it simple as to like I said put it into one of the three rooms. And ultimately, though, it's not about so much your thoughts and which room your thoughts are in, but it's about how they make you feel. And so people say, well, you know, it's, it's, you know, trying to track all my thoughts is really daunting. But the simplest way to know which room your thoughts are in is how you feel. And if you are in the present and you are aligned with your own higher self, your own, you know, that which is that divine consciousness that we all share, you are feeling good and you're feeling positive emotions. And any time you are not feeling that way, it is because your thoughts are pulling you away. And your thoughts are either thinking about things in the past 
that are having you relive negative emotions based on things that you either happened or your perception of things that happened in the past, or you're looking into the future and you're worrying about things in the future, typically thinking about worst-case scenarios, and it's causing negative emotions like stress or anxiety. And so that's how you know you're pulled out of the present realm. So in any moment, you can just say, like, you know, where am I? Where are my thoughts? You know, it's determined by how you feel. And if you're not feeling any kind of derivative of love, love, appreciation, gratitude, satisfaction, if you're not feeling any of those things in any moment, you know you've been pulled into the wrong room. And you can say, okay, now where are my thoughts now? I'm obviously I've been pulled into a different room. So I'm going I'm to pose something to you because when I was very young, um, my mother used to say, oh, driving is dangerous, blah, 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 blah. And when I finally was able to drive, I was terrified. So was I, and I had to really at that point, because my my foot was actually shaking on the ignition, and I would see pictures of the cars, my car crashing or whatever, and I had to change it. So I had to get conscious of it because I, I, was, I was immobilized. So when that was going on in my head, was I plugged, I mean, I was, I was obviously plugged into fear as when I was 16, 17, whatever, but was I living in, in a past room? Because I was very much in the present and aware of, you know, I, I need to drive, but I'm, but I'm terrified. Well, you know, it's, you make a good point in that, um, you know, we need to, we always go back and forth. It's not about always living in the present room and never going back and forth because we need to, you know, recall things. We, you know, and we learn from the past and we plan for the future and things like that. But you hit an interesting point on, on in the past, we hold on to things in the subconscious. And so, you know, what your parents told you or what your mother told you about driving and it's dangerous and be careful about that, that's something where that goes into your subconscious mind. And that's, we, we hold on to that and that, any time we're in the present, you start driving now, and you can start being influenced by things that have happened in the past, things you thought about, things that you were told, and, and things how you felt. And so when your mother told you about that, and driving is, you know, can be dangerous and scary, and you had those emotions, yes, even though you're driving now, you are recalling those thoughts and those negative emotions that happened a long time ago. And so that feeling of, oh, my God, now I'm nervous and everything, you immediately do know, okay, my thoughts, I'm thinking about something, again, consciously or subconsciously, about something that's happened, you know, based on how you're feeling. And, you know, I need to address that. I need to come back into the present. And coming back into the present is looking at it from a different, in a different perspective, and so it's, okay, I know that was in the past. I know I was told, I know what it's from. And I know I was told it would be dangerous, but this is not dangerous. I'm right, you know, I'm driving, I'm focused here, everything's fine. And you can just literally come right out of that very quickly by coming back into the present room and and focusing on how you feel. And, you know, I love driving and this is really safe and I got my seatbelt on and I'm following the rules and everything's fine. And now you can bring that back in. So it, it, is, it is always that feeling. It is always that negative emotion that tells you you're not in the present room because you're perceiving a situation, which is 
just driving the car today, you're perceiving that situation differently than your own higher self is perceiving that situation. You actually happen to be perceiving it the way your mother was teaching you how to perceive it. This is dangerous. Be careful. Be scared. You know, okay. all of that. And your own higher self is not. Well, and I, and I actually learned to change it then, so I don't have those feelings now because I had, uh, like I said, I was immobilized and I couldn't and I, I couldn't drive the car. And my motivation for driving was was larger than my fear, so I created something to make it work. So how do we? We, you know, we're talking about going in from one room to another, really being pulled in by our thoughts, by our emotions, by what other people have told us, by whatever our, our former belief system is. What do we do, Kevin, when we're stuck in, let's say, the past, like we were talking about with my mother, or the future, where we're, we're so moving forward in our thoughts that we're not really living as fully in the present as we can. How do we how do we shift it? How do we get out of that stuck place? Well that's that's another really good point. I think let's take you know one at a time and look at <laughs> the past and typically how yeah and and just look at that how sometimes people get stuck in the past room. It's typically based on what someone has said to them or what something you know, like I said earlier they how you perceive a situation, and sometimes it could be you know something serious that something that someone did, and you have a lot of trouble letting it go and every time you think of that situation or that person, and it could be a coworker that you have to show up at work every morning and, and see that person, and you just keep reliving those negative emotions, and people say, "Well, well, I can't help it, you know that I see them every day, and I can't get away from it, or you know but yeah, but this is what they did to me. Um, and it's always what they did to me. And so knowing that it's constantly causing negative emotions with you, you need to know that you have to look at the situation differently regardless of what it is. And, of course, the, the, the number one you know, most powerful way to let go of the past or get out of the past room and back into the present room is forgiveness. And one of the challenges that we all know is that, you know, we all have different levels of forgiveness. And sometimes, well, I can forgive that, and okay, yeah, 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 I forgave them, but oh, no, I'm not forgiving that. You know, I'm a forgiving person, but they crossed the line, and and I can't forgive that. And so when you can't forgive that person, you're just saying, I'm just going to keep every time that thought come back up, and let's go there, I'm going to keep feeling those negative emotions, and I'm doomed for the rest of my life feeling those negative emotions because you've chosen not to forgive them. And when you do actually forgive them, which is simply looking at what happened in the past from a different perspective, and now you can forgive them, you can come back into the present, and it's, we're not saying it's easy, but that is how you can let it go. And, now it's, and, and when you recall those situations again, you're not reliving all those negative emotions. And if you don't think you can do it, you know, you look at those situations where people have gone through something really dramatic. And let's see, someone's, you know, a family member has been, you know, hit by a drunk driver. And those things happen and you say, and, you know, every once in a while we hear those people say, well, you know what, I've chose to forgive them because I want to be able to move on in my life. And you say, 
wow, look at that was that was amazing what they did. But that's what we all need to do for everything. There's no degrees of forgiveness because we're really freeing ourselves. So I think that's you know that's from the past and being able to let go of that because if you don't exactly what you said you get stuck in the past and those negative emotions are just going to keep recurring every time you think of that person or of that event. Now the flip side is in the future and it's so true we just we tend to look and worry about things in the future and it causes stress and anxiety and look what's happening in in our society today one of the you know main you know causes of chronic illness today you know is stress and it's simply our thoughts you know in the future when thinking about something and thinking of a worst case scenario and so how do we change that we start to think of the best case scenarios we start to, instead of focusing on what can't be, you know, we focus on what can be. And the reason so often we focus on what can't be and what we can't do is because people tell us, you know, we listen to what everyone else says, and it's always, you know, you can't do this. And we start to define ourselves with the great I am, which is our own awareness of being. We start to add the word not. I am not. I'm I'm not good enough for this. I'm not going to be able to do that because that's what people are telling us. You can't do that. You're not good enough for that. And we start to define ourselves and we start to doubt ourselves. And so that's what we start to think. And we get in that, we get stuck in the future saying, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to get that job. I'm not going to be able to have enough money for this. And that not keeps all of that stress. And day and night, we just keep getting stuck in that loop. And if we can change, get rid of that not, and just say, you know, you know, I can or I am, and what I'd like to say is I already am. You start to think of things in the future that you'd like, and instead of, you know, wishing you, you could have it or thinking that you can't have it, you say, you know, I already am that or I already have done that, and you start coming from that place, now you start feeling really positive about it. So now you can look to the future and instead of look to the future with stress and fear and doubt, you are in the present imagining a future that you want to experience and you imagine as if it's already happened. And now you can, it can happen. You can attract those things into your life because you're feeling it in the present room. You know, you've, you've mentioned some very important points, so I want to go back to them because I believe, and I know this to be true from my work with other people as well, and that is when you are stuck, and I'll use your, your room analogy, when you are stuck in the past, that's, that need for forgiveness is so essential. And like you said, Kevin, it, it's really more helpful for for us than maybe necessary about forgiving the other person. It, it, it like you said, it frees us. And and people need to know that that's so important, no matter what the severity. And and sometimes it's really hard what the severity of the circumstances were of the interaction or whatever. Um, with the future, you're, it, it's so important, like you said, because we we are already projecting, 
and I work with energy, and we're already projecting energetically when we're in fear or doubt or whatever what's going to happen with that kind of thinking in terms of the worst-case scenario. So what you said is so important to be able to change that. To me, I am is already in the present. So, And sometimes, and this is when I'm in a very difficult situation in the present, I also shift to seeing it in the in already shifting in the present and in the future if that makes sense to you so that that even though it may look horrific for the moment or whatever I'm already making it different in my mind or in in my emotions and and you also made a very important point which I think is essential to shifting anything, you've got to be engaged with it emotionally. You've got to invest in that to really make a difference and make an impact, not necessarily for somebody else, but for yourself. So so I think that's wonderful. You've done, you've done a lot of work with teenagers and, and kids with wrestling and whatever. How do you, how does that, the concept of the three rooms, how do you teach that to kids, you mentioned your daughter seems to be able to do that so easily. How does that work? Well, I think it's it's um, it has to be translatable, you know, to um, kids in in order to get it, the message across, you know, to adults as well. Um, and from you know, I've coached uh, kids in wrestling for a real long time, and you know, so much of it is about um, self-esteem and self-worth and self-confidence. And so being in the present and expecting positive things makes so much of the difference, especially, let's say, in a a sport of wrestling when you go out there by yourself and there's nobody else to help you. You know, if you're, you know, expecting to win – you have a much better chance of winning than if you're expecting to lose. And you say, well, that's, that makes so much sense. Or, of course, everybody knows that. But, you know, it goes back to that, you know, I can or I can't. Or I am not a good wrestler or I am a good wrestler. I am not a good athlete. I am a good athlete. You know, I am not a good student. I am a good student. Just that, just how people perceive themselves and how kids perceive themselves makes a difference of whether they're a good student or not a good student or if they're a good wrestler or they're not a good wrestler. So it's, it's all about building, building that self-esteem you know, within them and you know, focusing on you know, constantly coming back in, focusing in the present room and based on how they feel and, and trying to build that level of confidence as opposed to a level of doubt. You know, in terms of confidence, it's not just just children or or teenagers or young adults who who have challenges with confidence and self esteem. Many adults do. So, does that say? How do you help them build self esteem so that they can see that that maybe those fears fears that they're projecting or the worries about and, and, and some of the negativity from the past that's entering in the present. How do you shift that so that people feel more of a sense of confidence and and a sense of control in their thoughts? I mean, I work with I was working with somebody the other day and and this person is always worrying. I mean, and is always focusing on that more than on something else. And I said, you've got to really look at your thoughts like you're talking about. You have to really be able to shift them. Many people find that 
incredibly difficult. So how do we make it easier? Well, if you look at it from two perspectives, there's for every time we have a desire and we constantly our entire lives we're just you know looking at things and you know and realizing what we want and so you have a desire and then think of that point when that desire actually manifests so we all have desires and then we have the manifestation of those desires the manifestation of those desires is all based on you know expectation you know versus doubt and it's common sense that people would understand that, okay, well, if I'm expecting that desire to come to fruition and to manifest, it has a much better chance of manifesting than if I'm doubting it the whole way. And if you're doubting it, which is, as you were alluding to earlier, because you're, fe- you're feeling fear, you're feeling hesitation, stress or anxiety or any kind of negative emotions, that's creating doubt, and it's actually pushing that manifestation of your desire further and further away. So how do you create, you know, that expectation? How do you attract that manifestation, you know, um, to, to come about? You need, it gets back to what you were just saying, it's, it's about how you feel. And think of it as a gap. There's a gap between the desire and the manifestation. And you have to do one thing. You have to enjoy the gap. You have to know, I have this desire. I know it's coming to fruition. You can enjoy it. If you knew it was going to happen, you can just, and you just didn't know when, how long it was going to take, then you can enjoy it. It's like when you know, you know what's going to happen in a movie and you're watching the movie. You don't have to fast forward to that next point. You know it's going to, you know, you know it's going to happen. You're looking forward to it and you can enjoy the movie until it gets to that point. Like, oh, yeah, that's, a, that's one of my favorite points in the movie. Well, you think of it as the same thing in your manifestation. You have this desire. I know it's going to happen and I'm going to enjoy the journey. I'm going to enjoy this gap from here. And now all of a sudden that, that, manifestation comes and you've got to enjoy that gap twice and it's what I call twice felt one you start feeling the joy of having it manifest as soon as you have that desire you're enjoying it the whole way and then once it manifests and it actually comes to fruition you get to enjoy it again and our whole life is that. That's just one desire and the manifestation of one desire. But we have desires our entire lives. So what does that mean? If you're constantly enjoying the gap from every desire to every manifestation, you're just enjoying life because you constantly have new desires and there's going to be new manifestations. You're expecting them to come and you're enjoying, you're enjoying the journey. You're enjoying that gap and you're not afraid of it. So there's not the doubt. You're replacing the doubt with expectation. Wonderful. Now you said that that if we if we know that something something wonderful is going to happen in the future, we don't often know that. I mean, sometimes we do. I I also think it's there, there's an element of faith and and belief in there to really and and maybe that's that's also what you're talking about to to really make it so and to be comfortable in that in between space or that before you know before something happens so so I think that's so important how do you see when people are are stuck in let's say in in the past how do you 
help them if there, if there's a reluctance because oftentimes we like to be stuck. I know that sounds strange, but it, it's true sometimes. How do you get them to see that it's for their benefit to be able to shift and to go into the present room? You know, a big part of it is, let's just say someone says something, someone does something that really upsets you, and you really feel like it was an attack on you, um, and you're really having some trouble getting over it. You know, it's not about um, pretending it didn't happen, you know, pouring pink paint over it and saying, oh, yeah, 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 I'm, that doesn't bother me, and kind of, you know, um, pretending it doesn't really bother you. It is acknowledging what happened. And so and if something makes you, you know, angry or upset, acknowledge and saying, I can't believe that that really made me upset. Okay. And then it may be it may be five minutes or it may be five hours or it may be five days. You don't want to wait five years. But then you say, you know what, I'm 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 ready, I've I've acknowledged this, I'm ready to move on. And because, you know, the more I keep holding on to this I just keep feeling these negative emotions. And so, you know, that person, and so often, we get, we get mad at somebody else, and we keep thinking about them, and it gets us more and more angry and angry, and that other person has already moved on. Because maybe they don't even think they've done anything to us. And they seem happy and everything, and then, you know, we're still bothered by things. And then it makes us even crazier when we see that person and they seem happy, like, how could they be happy after what they did to me? You know, and then and you, and it gets you even more upset. And so it's understandable why people have trouble letting go of things in the past that are causing negative emotions because typically it's about what other people have done. And the real key and one of the real messages of the three rooms is that we all do have control over how we feel. The problem is that we just give that control over to other people. We let what other people say and do affect how we feel. And since we can't control what other people say and do, we no longer control how we feel because we're at the effect of them. We're at the mercy of them. And they do it. the next day they do something else mean to us, we get all upset again. And it's the, we keep going through that cycle over and over, and that cycle will continue our entire lives until we shift from allowing what we see and hear from other people to affect how we feel, to let how we feel inside start with how we feel, connecting with our own higher self and saying, I know who I am. I'm a good person. I love who I am. And let that start to affect what we see and hear in the physical world. So, again, you're talking about feeling good about who we are and building that sense of self-confidence and self-respect. And and I think what's so important for people, you know, to be able to shift out of the anger or resentment or whatever, and I, and you mentioned this earlier, and I think it's important to mention again, Kevin, is that, it's the healing part of it is really for you. If you forgive somebody, you may not, you may forgive someone that you'll never see again that hurt you so far in the past, but it's about your own healing process so that you have the ability 
to be able to move forward and to access what you're talking about, those those positive emotions, and be able to let go so that they're, we're releasing ourselves from the, I'm just going to say, from the muck or whatever is going on. So I think that's so very important. And you also talk, we're running out of time here, but you also talk about that there are different emotions. I found this fascinating in each room. Can you describe that a little bit? Sure. And typically when you're thinking about the past and, and what someone has done or what you've done, um, you know, it's either you're angry, you know, with somebody else or maybe there's resentment of something you see someone has or a lot of times it's guilt a lot is associated with the past room because it's something that, you know, you've said in the past that you feel guilty about or, or something you didn't say or didn't do that's causing guilt in you. And in the future room, it's typically things like stress and anxiety and, and a sense of lack that, you know, you don't have something, you're not going to be able to have it that's causing all these negative emotions. And in the present room, it is all, you know, feelings of, of appreciation and, and satisfaction and joy. Those are the feelings that typically are there when you're not, when those thoughts um, are not pulling you out of the present room to cause those negative emotions. But ultimately, just think of it as two emotions. It's either derivatives of love or love-based emotions, which are in the present room, and that's, that's aligning with our higher set, source or that, you know, that divine consciousness or frequency that, that we all share. And it's, it's derivatives of fear. You know, anger, guilt, resentment, they're all derivatives of fear. Stress, anxiety senses of lack and those things. They're all derivatives of fear. They're simply letting you know you are not looking at any situation in your life the same way as your own higher self is looking at that situation. Because your higher self is not condemning that person. They're not angry at that person. They're not worried about your future. They're already planning your future the way that you want to for your desires to come to fruition. You just have to be on that same vibrational frequency of your own higher self. I totally agree with that. So you do a lot of work, and, and I'm very fascinated with, with addiction, and we've been going through an opioid crisis in the United States for some time now, and it, it's become very much publicized. How does working with the three rooms, how can that help people address that within their own lives, Kevin? Well, as you, know, as you mentioned earlier, people – what happens when people get stuck in the past realm or they get stuck in the, in the future realm? Um, that's, you can, when someone gets stuck in the past where they're constantly going into the past realm, they're constantly angry about things that happen, you can say they're addicted to the past. And someone who's constantly you know, looking at the future, worrying about things, feeling constant stress, which is causing all these, you know, long-term, you know, and, and chronic ailments, you can say that they're addicted to stress because we know it's, you know, what happens even physically when you have these, you know, these stressful thoughts, they, re, you know, they release the chemicals into the body, goes, you know, into your hormonal system, sends messages back to the brain, you know, causes more of those stressful thoughts. And we literally, our bodies can get addicted to stress. And so just as they can get addicted to stress, they can get addicted to drugs. But we have the power to 
get unaddicted to stress, we can get addicted to the positive um, emotions. You know, the emotions of, you know, the, the, you know, the serotonins and, and the dopamines and the positive emotions too, not so much getting addicted via, you know, let's say, you know, technology that some kids are getting addicted to today, but positive thoughts produce positive chemicals in the, in the body. And, and that can create a loop. So if you're going to get addicted to one of the rooms, either the past room, so you're constantly in anger and guilt, or the future room where you're constantly in stress or anxiety, or the present room when you're constantly feeling gratitude and appreciation and joy, that's the room to get addicted to. And so teaching the kids that you can get addicted to your thoughts and your emotions and that's, you want, these are the emotions you want to get addicted to. And this is how, by monitoring which room your thoughts are in. And, and I think that once people know how to do it, right, it, it becomes easy, right? It's not like, oh, this is too, somebody was writing, this is too difficult, how do I do that? But, but as you're describing it and, and becoming more aware, like we said, of the, and, and about paying attention to your thoughts and seeing, because oftentimes they repeat themselves in one way or another. If we're fearful, we have more fearful thoughts, et cetera. Um, really can help, like you said, monitor it, really can help us from obsessing about it and shifting it. So how do you see the three rooms working with with people in all walks of life, whether it's kids, whether it's people in business, whether it's just, you know, me or, you know, somebody else? How does it work so that everybody can can utilize that? Very simply, it's, it's applying it any time all through the day. And it's just asking one question, where am I? Or which, or which room am I in? Because remember, just as you were just alluding to, people say, well, it's, you know, I understand the concept, but it's not easy. And, well, that's kind of hard. But think about it. The simple one question, which room are my thoughts in now? Just, and you can ask that all during the day. Where am I? Or where are my thoughts right now? Or which room are my thoughts in? The simple asking of that one question, and there's no wrong answer to that question, right? Because only you can answer, well, oh, yeah, I'm, my thoughts are here. I'm thinking about the past or I'm thinking about the future, and it's based on how you feel. But just asking that question and just being able to answer that question means you are aware of your thoughts in that moment which means you have separated your awareness from your thoughts and you have that awareness is your connection to your own consciousness and to that divine consciousness that we all share. So you've already done it. Simply, which room are my thoughts in right now? And you can be on your way to work. You can be going to the bathroom. You can be doing anything during the day, in any moment of the day. Where am I, which room am I in right now? If you can answer that question... The part of you that answered that question, that's, that's your higher self. That's your higher consciousness. That's what you've just tapped into and separated from your thoughts. That's what we all want to do. Wonderful. And I love connecting with my higher self. I do it constantly. 
<laughs> say, okay, you're in charge now. Kevin, I love the book. I love what you're doing with that because I, in my mind, given you know some of the circumstances like I described in term, earlier, I think that, that it really works and it's effective and it really helps us pay attention to where we are, like you said, what room are we in right now, and to be able to shift that so that we feel good about who we are and what we're doing and be able to move forward with more confidence and ease. So thank you so much for this. And tell people how they can get a hold of your book, The Three Rooms, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, how they connect with you, can they, how they can connect with you, too much caffeine, and more. Sure. Well, the, um, the website is just www.thetherooms.com. And the, the three is spelled out, the T-H-R-E-E rooms.com. Um, and, you know, it's also the, um, on Facebook, the three rooms on, on Facebook. And, um, and on Twitter, just Kevin Murphy 3R um, for the three rooms. And, and the book is available on Amazon um, in Barnes and Noble, um, and it's actually just came out in an audible version as well. Um, and so, um, you know, reaching out on the, on the on the website, we'd love to hear from anybody, and and um, and hoping to spread the word. Wonderful. So, before you leave, is there anything that you want to share with with our listeners? Um, I would just go back to saying that it's, you know it's something that everybody can do all during the day, which is um, being aware of their thoughts. And remember, you know, mindfulness is simply the conscious awareness of our thoughts. And so the three rooms is just to help you be more mindful by giving you a tool to be consciously aware of your thoughts. Just simply, you know, which room are my thoughts in today? And it's all how you feel. And we all have control over how we feel. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Kevin. I appreciate the book and you. Have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for having me on. Have a great day, too. Thanks so much, Kevin. Bye-bye. So think about what Kevin said because basically when you're in charge of your thoughts and can determine and discern which room you're in, as Kevin's talking about, you really can feel much better about yourself. It's wonderful to be in charge. And when those thoughts, because I've lived that, when those thoughts go amok and seem to take charge of you rather than the other way around, you feel almost subservient to those thoughts rather than being the one that's in charge. So do what Kevin said because it does work. And maybe it takes a little bit of practice, but so do a lot of things so that we can be feel better about and feel more refined with. Think about that because you, once you're in charge and once you feel that you're in charge, your life also feels better too. If you want to get a hold of me, you can go to docwhite, D-O-C-W-H-I-T-E dot org, find out about upcoming shows, blogs, and more. And remember... As Kevin was talking about, you're in charge of your thoughts. I call this show Power Your Life because you are also in charge of being able to bring forth into your life more of a sense of control and feel more in charge. So even if you're just taking a few small steps today to be in charge of something in your life, make sure you do it and make sure you know which room you're in. Thanks so much for joining us and have a beautiful day evening, wherever you are. 
You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.